Hello and welcome back to The Experience Makers, the podcast brought to you by Cognified. I'm Joe Milne and once a month we'll be reimagining customer experience with guests from across the marketing technology industry. We'll be delving into everything from what today's consumer really wants right through to the technology that feeds the experience economy and digital transformation. Whatever stage of the digital journey you're on, if you're in business today, this one is for you. In 2006, Clive Humby coined the phrase, data is the new oil. That was 14 years ago, yet marketers are still grappling with the challenges of making sense of their customer data to deliver actionable insights. This month, we're virtually joined by Wonderman Thompson's Chief Data Officer, Alex Steer, and Cognified's very own technology strategist, Mark Deal, to discuss the hot topic of customer data. Alex, Mark, thank you so much for joining us on the show to chat all things data. Um, I'm going to start by asking you to both just give us a brief introduction to yourself and what you've been working on. Mark, let's start with you. Uh, so uh, my name's Mark Deal. I'm a technology strategist at Cognified. I've uh, been working there for just over a year. I really focus on uh, working with clients for the uh, leadership level and uh, engaging with businesses to understand what their overall goals are and then translating those into technology roadmaps uh, and visions that allow us to basically leverage the power of customer data and present it in terms of uh, an integrated personalized customer experience. What I'm really focused on is um, you know, identifying um, opportunities to develop those businesses and their technology stacks to support that. Awesome. Thank you. Alex, same question. Hello, I'm Alex Steer. I'm Chief Data Officer for Wonderman Thompson uh, EMEA. Um, I look after our overall data offer to our clients. We have about 400 specialists in data of different types uh, across Europe, Middle East and Africa. That is everything from helping clients build data and data-driven marketing capabilities in their own organisations through to using data to plan and optimize campaigns better. What brings it together is a commitment to using data to help our clients find new ways to grow. Amazing. So you guys will obviously both uh, really inherently know that we've been talking about data and the value of data for, for many years. There's that old catchphrase about data being the new oil. And now we're saying data isn't the new oil because data is more valuable than oil. Who knows? Um, but the key thing is, is it's been part of the conversation, particularly within marketing for a long time. Um, but I want to talk about nowadays. What are the key data challenges that marketers really face today? And, and Mark, I'm going to start with you. Okay, so you know my, my perspective is going to be more from uh, the experience point of view than the data point of view, and I think that you know that we're seeing sort of general challenges around things such as trust and ways in which that can be maintained, and you know making sure that brands are very clear on the value exchange, and also you know the legislative landscape is uh, evolving rapidly. So, you know, we had GDPR come in a couple of years ago, CCPA brought uh, a different flavor to that, uh, but we're also seeing across the world, different flavors of legislation coming in. And of course, they're all different. That, that's, you know, the, the one, of, one of the wonderful things, but also, you know, one of the challenges is that, you know, it, different countries and, and different US states are, are gonna have different takes on this, which means that as, as technologists and strategists, uh, we are really going to need to make sure that, uh, you know, we think about you know, how we support businesses from a governance point of view to make sure that, you know, they can uh, deliver on compliance, but also that they don't lose sight of the opportunities in there in terms of building 
meaningful and honest dialogues with their audiences and customers uh, so that um, you know they can make clearly the case for data usage and get clear buy-in from those customers uh, around the use of that data because I think you know but most most customers these days are quite savvy and they do understand what a value exchange looks like and it's just a matter of being very clear and articulate about what that means and then giving people the tools to actually work with that I think from a, an experience point of view um, you know I'll probably go into this a bit later but I think the big challenge that I think the um, marketeers are going to face is the fact that um, you know technology stacks are sort of you know very much focused on uh, sort of business level control and much less focused perhaps on the flexibility that's required to enable customer data to really thrive in experience context then I think you know the challenge we'll see there I think is one of realigning technology stacks so that they're more flexible and they can really deliver on the power of data. Got it. And Alex, from your perspective, tell us a little bit about um, some of these key challenges that are happening today from, from you. Yeah, I think the the big challenges of data are the big challenges of growth. Uh, and I think a lot of organisations, you know, particularly as we start to come out of the other side and see the impact of, of coronavirus on the economy in the longer term, um, but also as, as businesses start to grapple with some of the changes that have happened in consumer behavior and in the structure of the economy over the last few years, they're starting to look around and go, okay, where do I find growth from now? What's my next best route to growth? And many of them are realizing that classic models of treating all of their prospects and customers as if they were broadly the same or fit fit into very broad uh, buckets or demographics just don't work. So the big challenge for data is how do I use it to understand my customers better, uh, understand their journeys and experiences, deliver better outcomes and go after the groups of people that represent disproportionate pockets of growth uh, for my business. And this is where we're seeing a lot of activity around the challenge and opportunity of identity. If I can recognize my customers, if I can remember them when I see them, then I have a much better chance of saying something that's more relevant, that's more powerful. I can uh, manage them over the long term as opposed to treating them like I've never seen them before. And so I think a lot of the interest that we're seeing in things like identity management, in better use of predictive modeling in the customer data platforms is really a reflection of that, which is how do I find the customers who are going to generate the next generation of growth for me and my business? So let's let's stick with you, Alex, and, and build on that a little bit, because, of course, nowadays, a lot of the discussion around data is around value exchange and for customers to sort of part with their data, they're kind of expecting something back. So what sort of benefits are, are consumers starting to see from brands in terms of this, you know, added growth in terms of service, in terms of customer experience? It's a it's a really tricky balance because you're right that at the same time that businesses are saying, you know, where's my next growth going to come from? It's going to come from people. It's going to come from data. So we're also seeing people and governments and regulators and tech companies going, hang on a minute, this is not a license for unlimited surveillance. So that value mm. exchange is really important. Mm. Um, I think it it gets to its best where businesses start to use data and analytics in what we call a prescriptive way, which is not just using it to describe what's going on or predict what people are going to do next, but actually using it to design the next generation of products and services to make them more personal, um, to, to fit them around people's lives. And I think that's where you're starting to see a lot of businesses build out more direct customer relationships, uh, look at e-commerce, CRM, customer service in smarter ways and go, how do I make it appealing to 
share data because I'll get a better, more personalized experience off the back of it. And you you, you look at businesses like uh, Spotify is a great example, right? Every experience that everyone has of the Spotify business is different. And the information that they have about your habits, your music interests, what, you know, when and where you like to go running in the morning, all of that is is, is used to, to to create a more personal experience of the Spotify brand. And I think it's it's examples like that where we're starting to see data being used to humanize that experience that people have with brands. And at that point, people often start to look at the value exchange and go, this is not, not exploitative. This is something that you know offers genuine value. There are still big questions around how we make sure that we're doing that in compliant and private ways mm. that brands have to address and that are becoming big issues for brands. But the opportunity at least is there that people are starting to look at um, how these brands interact with their lives and say, if they know me better, they can serve me better. So, you know, building again on that, then from your perspective, Mark, what kind of technologies, you know, generally are brands turning to in order to deliver on these customer expectations, as well as obviously satisfying the growth and, and building upon the opportunity, the potential of the opportunity that data has? Yeah, so, um, you know, obviously, customer data platforms are a big consideration here. Um, and I think, you know, this is definitely Alex's domain, and he's gonna be the best place to talk about that. But I think, you know, what what a customer data platform uh, allows us to do as, uh, as experience makers and, and, and people that support uh, marketeers and brands is that um, they allow us to have a centralized single source of data that's properly managed and authoritatively managed and has uh, that value exchange built in through consents or other justifications for using that data. So that gives you a strong underpinning then to be able to confidently do other things with the experience, knowing that that information is consistent and can be surfaced through the entire stack. So from an experience point of view, it then allows you to present uh, experiences that align with what customers want to see and what they expect to see. And I think the real value of that is the ability not only to give a, you know, what, what Alex is playing as the value exchange is sort of a very clear exchange of, um, you know, an information or a service in exchange for the data they're provided, but also it allows you to have uh, an empathy-based relationship with the customer as well. So, you know, if you're an organization that's strong on sales, but also has a support need, I think, you know, the ability to be able to to uh, recognize when a customer is in a support position and show empathy with them and stop selling them things, I think is a, a really important thing that, you know, a platform underpinned by a customer data platform can do. And I think the only way that you can really enable that from a tech point of view is to plug in a, a, a modern CDP with APIs wrapped around it into uh, an open architecture that's API enabled in itself, which means that you know when someone's coming to your owned web estate rather than support part of the site, you can already leverage that that single view of the customer through a single stack and be able to recognize this isn't the time to be selling to them. This is the time to start that conversation again about the support you should be giving them rather than waiting for them to log into the support area of your site. So I think what a CDP gives you is the knowledge of where a customer is in their relationship with you at any point in your technology stack through an open architecture. Got it. So yeah, Alex, as we as, as Mark mentioned, this is definitely an area of expertise for you. So tell us a little bit more about the role that the CDP, um, the, the customer uh, data platform plays in the sort of customer experience ecosystem. And what sort of functionality should a CDP have when people are thinking about how to implement? 
So this this is a really interesting area right now. We've um, just done within our data business quite a, a large piece of analysis and research, um, a paper called Course Correction on uh, the customer data platform landscape at the moment. One of the things that we've found is that I think we're at a bit of a turning point where lots of businesses that have already invested in a, in a CDP are starting to look at it and go, this isn't actually fit for purpose. And we're, we're seeing a large amount of changeover from a first generation of, of CDP adoption into a second generation. And I think what's, you know, what's driving that is, is, well, a couple of things. First is a wider expectation of what a CDP needs to do. As I said, as businesses are becoming more dependent on generating growth from you know, uh, understanding their own customers better and getting more value out of their customer relationships. So they need to be able to deploy that information in more places. So across websites, across media, across um, ECRM, even across things like direct mail. Um, so one, the best way to understand a CDP is as a piece of data technology that sits effectively in the middle of your customer business and provides the, the hooks or the glue uh, between all of the experiences and encounters that you have with a customer and allows you to resolve the identity of that customer and let it get better over time. So <clears throat> that may mean that the first time you see someone, um, you don't know, you know, you don't know who they are, you don't know where they are, but you might have seen some of their behaviours. But then as you get to know that person better, as they start to disclose more information, you gradually get more information, you're able to build up that, that, that better picture of a person. Um, and that means that you're able to then push that information to the right places at the right times at the at the point of need and that's the the main thing that a cdp exists to do now it's you know in, ter in terms of what businesses should look for in a cdp um it's that set of things does it allow me to progressively identify people as i go on does it allow me to push that data to all of the places where where i really need it in order to improve performance. And I think that improving performance point is, is, is a really important one. So I think often businesses will go, and go in and try and procure a piece of technology that does everything that they could possibly imagine ever wanting to do with data. And they often find that it takes a long time, they don't necessarily get what they want. Businesses that take a more agile, and more experimental and more pragmatic approach tend to tend to do better because they say, OK, we're going to start with this in proof of concept mode. We're going to use it first on our websites or in our ECRM and then have a clear roadmap where you're proving extra value at every case. I guess the, the last thing to say on that is. As Mark said, you only get that value if you, you know, if you understand your customers well. Um, the, a CDP is, is a very sophisticated piece of technology, but ultimately it's just a bit of kit at the same time. It will not substitute you understanding your customers as people. It you cannot technology yourself interesting. You still have to be able to think about when I know someone, when I recognize someone, how do I have a meaningful conversation with them? How do I be interesting? Got it. I love that. <laughs> Can't technology yourself interesting. I think uh, we should have that phrase uh, more often, probably on people's Twitter bios or something like that. Um, let's go to you, Mark. You mentioned at the at the beginning a lot about regulation, particularly GDPR. What can a CDP solve for um, in terms of that? Well, I mean, as Alex said, I think you know we're we're moving into a world of uh, second generation CDPs now, and. You know, they don't have a standard set of capabilities, but, you, you know, you will see um, them centre around 
um, you know, all, all the, the core capabilities that are required, and that includes compliance. So I think, you know, the, the newer ones better acknowledge through schemas, uh, the fact that they they have to be tracking compliance concerns. And there may be either within the CDP or external to the CDP itself through an adjacent technology that's integrated in uh, sort of a, a consent and preferences management solution as well that uh, gives uh, a UI to, to, to customers to, you know, accurately give consent around the conversations that they want to be having with the organization that they're, they're lending their data to. Um, so I think, you know, th th there's two key things that I think, you know, we're seeing increasingly in the second generation customer data platforms is better functionality that supports the whole consent and preferences piece and make sure that all lines together and that's being tracked through all the data usages. And secondly, I think um, they're better at actually being able to respond to compliance requests. And I think, you know, un under GDPR, you see two uh, core cases of compliance requests, delete the data and confirm that data has been deleted and, and a good quality CDP will support that use case. Um, and also being able to request that data in full in some form of human readable uh, format as well. And again, a modern CDP will be able to support that. Amazing. Let's talk about measurement. And because um, we were talking a lot about what, what's great about, about these platforms and kind of uh, what it is they can do. But let's talk about after you've been using it for a while, seeing if it's been really worth the cost. So Alex, you know, if you, supposing an organization's decided to invest in a CDP for the first time, what sort of metrics should they be putting in place to understand whether it's been a, a success, perhaps a year down the line? So I think there's a there's a bunch of intermediate metrics you can look at, and they are they're often the ones that are common to any piece of technology or data that you might procure. Um, so things like the the utilization rate and the coverage. So am I actually using this thing? To what extent am I using its full potential? Am I using it as a car or have I bought a car and I'm using it as a scooter. Um, but I think the opportunity with things like CDPs, because they allow you to connect up your view of customers, is to go beyond those kind of technology utilization metrics and actually start measuring these capabilities against the goals of growth. So if you are genuinely able to understand customers better, to communicate with them more effectively, and you're able to keep a much better single joined up record of the experiences and encounters that you have with them. You should see that pay off in higher lifetime value, greater ability to convert customers, lower churn, the critical business metrics that matter. Now, those are going to be different for different organizations. They may be tracked in different ways, but I'd like to see more organizations setting themselves the challenge of measuring these capabilities by the customer and growth outcomes that they deliver. Uh, and I think we're only just at the start of that. Okay, so let's move on a little bit uh, beyond CDP. I mean, we normally think of data as something that touches sort of every aspect of marketing, whether it's underpinning or informing or or tracking or or, or measuring. Um, but you know, I'm looking at you, Alex. You're you're the sort of chief data officer. Why is data such a specialty in its own right? I think it's emerging as a specialty in its own right for a couple of reasons, and one is the one that I talked about earlier, which is Lots of organizations are realizing that growth is not necessarily just going to come from mass markets, mass production, mass media, that more growth is going to come from the edges, from the long tail, from particular groups of people that offer particular value uh, to a brand and that have particular product or service needs. So the first big use case for data is 
being able to identify and find those people. And a lot of those techniques are not new. They're the techniques of research, segmentation, direct marketing that have been in existence for 100 years or so, but they've got a renewed importance and a renewed centrality. So a lot of stuff, uses of data analysis that was typically done at the edges of an organization within the media department, within the direct marketing department, has now become very, very central as businesses look to start to understand audiences and customers better. The second is that we are you know, still very much in a, what, I, what I'd call an era of accountability, what was famously called an era of accountability in marketing about 10 or 15 years ago. Uh, and there is, if anything, even greater pressure now for marketing to prove its contribution to growth. So the, the second use of data that we're really seeing is analysis, ongoing optimization, attribution, um, modeling of effectiveness and predicting what's going to happen next. These have become more important as marketing in particular states its claim for being a real driver of growth within the boardroom. And then I guess I said there were two, actually, there were probably three. Um, the third is that as well as still being in an era of accountability, we're in an era of responsibility as well now. So everything that Mark said is absolutely true, that as well as having to show that we can find customers who represent growth, being able to show that marketing delivers growth, we've also now got to be able to demonstrate that we're doing that in a secure and a compliant uh, way that is a good fit with regulation and that is of a standard that we would expect as a brand serving its customers well. So I think all of those three things kind of come together to mean that data and data analysis is a really central conversation in businesses now. Uh, Mark, from your perspective, do you have anything to add on this idea of um, of data being considered this something that's important in its own right? Yeah, I think, um, obviously I agree with everything that Alex said. I think the um, the accountability component is is particularly important, and um, you know you you can apply that across the entire data discipline. I think in the past, you know, I've worked with marketing technology stacks of varying types for about twenty years, and I think in the past, what you've seen is that various parts of the organization through various tools have, have tried to make this all happen, and what you see is a fragmentation of. Um, expertise, you see a fragmentation of insight and you free, uh, see a, a fragmentation of accountability. And that's created a, a mess, to be absolutely frank. And a lot of organizations are still struggling with that legacy. Data is hard to work with and it's hard to get right, particularly from a compliance and governance point of view. So having uh, it as a, a clearly demarcated discipline, I think, works very well from an organizational point of view. Secondly, I think also from a technology point of view with my architect's hat on, I think that you know, having it uh, in a, a single recognizable place in, in the stack wrapped in APIs means that you know, it's accessible. And it means that um, you know, wherever you are in terms of the front end experience, being able to touch on uh, a single source of data you know to be true and properly governed and can actually then feedback on its own performance, I think is absolutely critical to the success of any marketing organization. You guys have made the case then. Um, I, I believe <laughs> you. I buy into what you're saying. <laughs> um, I want to talk a little bit about some, some I was going to say future trends, but I think these trends are actually already um, pretty prescient. Um, first of all, there's a lot of speculation that sort of the next big shift in terms of data is going to be customers taking ownership of and managing their own data, loyalty programs, etc. Um, how is this going to impact what brands are doing, either with the CDP technology that they've already got or the new tech that's going to be enabling customers? It's, it's a great question. And it's something that we've been talking about in data circles for years, the idea that... Um, 
customers are going to be more willing and more able to own and manage and control where their data flows and, 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 and how it goes. Um, I think the vision that we always had as an industry of that in our heads is that consumers would want to spend loads of time working out how and where their data is, is distributed across partners in the marketing ecosystem. Um, if anything, I'd, I'd challenge that view slightly. I think the most interesting emerging trend around consumer data usage is going to be the emergence of regulators as a real force. We've already started to see this. Um, in a way, the data environment is a, is, a, is a classic case of an environment where regulation can have a lot of impact that has been historically relatively lightly regulated, where consumers are looking at the situation and saying, we expect a higher standard of how our data is managed, of how data is used, of the value exchange in data that we were talking about earlier. But actually, the effort required to manage your own data in all of these thousands of transactions that you have with brands every day or every week is too high. And understandably, then, we are seeing regulators do what regulators do well, which is step in and say, there is a situation here that historically hasn't necessarily worked in the best interests of consumers. And we are going to take a position on that. So everything that we're seeing around the world from you know, GDPR to TCF to uh, CCPA and all the other acronyms are instances of regulators getting involved to say, we are going to take action on behalf of consumers. So I think that's the biggest change that we're going to be facing rather than the emergence of mass, very complicated personal data management by consumers. Um, I think some of that will happen. It will happen in certain areas in certain ways. Um, but I think the, the biggest reckoning that our industry is having um, is with an emerging set of standards around data privacy regulation that we need to respect, that we need to get on board with and that we need to engage constructively with. Mm. Mark, do you have anything to add on that? Because I do, I, I think that there is the point where regulation kind of stepping in and, and playing that big role is, I, I completely agree with you, Alex. But at the same time, I do think that there's a lot of discussion around um you know, a lack of understanding of who's owning what, who should own what, what's the entitlement um, of a consumer. And it's not just coming from a regulatory standpoint, but from a sort of cultural standpoint, you know, especially when we're talking about ethics of big companies. So, um, you know, I'm wondering from, from your perspective, Mark, you know, how do you see the sort of hustle for ownership of data playing out over the next few years? So I think if you're hustling for ownership, then, then you're doing the wrong thing. And I think you're on a, a hiding to nothing there. Uh, I agree with Alex. I think that uh, you know the regulators have been very clear in terms of uh, you know what they expect to happen with customer data, and I also think that um, you know while customers are very savvy, I think that uh, to expect them to concern themselves with the minutiae of uh, data management and what's in and what's out is is a lot to ask of them. Uh, I think that it's better that we leave the, the regulators to make the, the big decisions, to run test cases uh, and to define the world in which we work and then we align with it and brands align with it from an ethical point of view. And I think that's worked pretty well so far. Um, you know, when GDPR came in, there was obviously a big rush to comply. But I think now we see a lot of organizations, not all, but a lot of organizations and certainly the ones I work with are doing that well and they're thinking about data ethics and they're thinking about having the right conversations with customers. There are, you know, some interesting emerging sort of, you know, new generation customer data platforms that 
look at uh, usage of customer data in different ways and ownership of customer data in different ways. But maybe that's just technically interesting. And I think for the reasons I stated, they may not go too far. I think, you know, that's a case of watch and see. With, with regulators, I think, you know, we're seeing a lot of energy around making sure that I think the guardrails are in place and some of the ambiguities around third party data and how it gets stitched and, you know, whether people can genuinely consent to ad tech. I think some of those questions are being answered. If you look particularly the uh, the Irish uh, Data Commission, they're doing lots of work around this. They're well resourced. And I think, you know, they're, they're bringing a lot of fantastic clarity into play and alignment with GDPR. So I think, you know, that's. I think that's where we're really going to see this. Jenna, you, you, you talked about the, the changing relationship between people and brands around data. And I think that might be one of the really interesting areas in this, which is that the thing that we've emerged, seen emerging over the last few years is that data is really a brand issue now. So rewind five or 10 years and it was deemed perfectly acceptable to treat data as effectively an IT or a technology thing or a media thing or something that you could outsource to an intermediary. I think that world is changing. I think one of the big changes that hasn't yet borne itself out in terms of all of its implications is now people look at brands and part of how they judge those brands is on how those brands use their data and whether it's deemed to be acceptable, whether it's deemed to be exploitative, um, it is not something that can really be outsourced to anonymous intermediaries in the ad tech ecosystem anymore. And I think that's something that we're, we're going to see less and less acceptance of, more and more expectation that if I am a customer of your brand, you have a duty of care with my data. And exactly what that looks like in terms of consumer behaviour, I don't think we've seen yet, but I think that recognition is there and it, it wasn't there a few years ago in the same way. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's been so many public uh, education programs around data, not just obviously in terms of big companies and brands, but also from a government perspective, from a healthcare perspective and so on and so forth. And that's sort of leaking through when we have conversations about ethics and about um, sort of autonomy and agency. I think one of the other um, kind of emerging areas of discussion that again is for people like us who, who work in tech is feels like old hat, but has become this mainstream concern and thing that people are both excited about but curious about is of course artificial intelligence and um, so i'd love to hear both of your perspectives around the role of ai in helping to solve uh, data challenges and um, alex we'll start with you i really like the way you put that that it's something that can feel old hat to us but that's an emerging concern and i think often as data or technology specialists when that happens our first reaction is to go it's fine it's nothing to worry about we've been doing this for years but actually, this is one of those moments where we as an industry need to pause and reflect and engage critically with that concern, because sometimes it can shed light on practices that we haven't thought about enough. So, you know, I, you, you could take at an extreme end the example of a big technology company that developed an AI to screen the first round of candidates for job interviews. But because it was trained on the historic behaviours of some of their hiring managers, it ended up automatically excluding women. And you look at that and you go, that is the kind of thing that from a technical mathematical point of view, you might be able to kind of pass through a review and, and not blink an eye. As soon as you look at it from a, from a human lens, you go, this is unbelievable. It's unacceptable. Not only does it tell us something about our algorithms, it tells us something about our organizations. And so I think the 
opportunity for us as an industry is to start to engage critically with some of this stuff, start to meet consumers in the middle. Just because we've been doing something for a long time doesn't mean that we shouldn't be open to challenge about it. Definitely. I, I think that's that's really, really spot on, just that point of just because it's something we've already been doing that mathematically, technologically, we can justify um, because it makes complete sense if you're going to use old data and that data um, is all men. Of course, you know, an, av- an algorithm is going to give that. And, you know, there's a level of, um, I guess, uh, thinking that it's fair enough uh, from a from a sort of technological standpoint. But of course, it is about engaging in these discussions. Um, Mark, from your perspective, kind of maybe taking a slightly more positive slant, um, shall we say, what would you say is the kind of opportunity in AI that excites you or you think is going to really help um, in terms of this broader conversation around around data usage in, in brands and marketing? AI can, you know, help kind of develop an understanding of what, um, you know, customers really want. You can get an idea of, of so that their sentiment and allows you to, to build empathy with what they're doing. And of course, there's natural limits to that. But I think, you know, uh, you know, an example that I use quite a lot uh, is the one around recognizing when your customer shouldn't be sold to and that you need to start considering them as someone who actually needs a, a support conversation, that they've got a problem that they want to resolve rather than having something sold to them. And AI can certainly help with getting some insight into those sorts of cases and making sure that you're responding. I think that um, CDPs can really help with uh, some of the concerns about the the limits of AI and when you should and shouldn't be using it uh, because they can uh, define things such as, you know, limits around the time that you might retain this data. So an inference you might make on behavior is something that you might want to keep within your customer data platform within an island and you might want to keep it relatively short term and, and treat it as a different type of data to data that you know you've procured from a customer where they've clearly stated that you can use this and this data is clearly correct. So the power of a CDP is that it allows you to set up schemas and use data in in ways that creates hierarchies and tiers uh, that allows you to, you know, treat treat AI generated data, um, you know, as an opportunity, but also treat it with respect. And I think that, um, you know, Certainly, as CDPs kind of go into their third and fourth generations, I think you're going to see these distinctions made clearer and clearer so that you can leverage the power of AI, but you can still be compliant. And what you're not doing is amassing a lot of data that is probably only partially correct. I think one of the real powers of CDPs for marketers actually is that it allows them to actually narrow the amount of data that they're storing. Uh, but, you know, it gives them a greater certainty that this data is is correct. Mm let's um let's move on to our final question which is um it's always about advice i always like to end end these discussions with a little bit of practical advice for for the listeners so um what from your guys experience what what practical advice would you give marketers looking to improve customer experience through better use of data alex let's uh, let's go to you first my one piece of advice would be translate everything into human it's incredibly easy when we start talking about customer experience marketing technology ad tech data analytics to start looking inwards, inwards at our own organization, inwards at our technology stack, inwards at our databases. There's a saying which I'd rather admire, which is mostly data is just customers in disguise. And being able to describe everything that we're doing through the lens of the people that we're talking to, the journeys that they're on with our brands, the outcomes that we're trying to deliver, it immediately makes data and technology 
decisions easier. It makes them more sensible and it makes it easier to align the organization around them because you're able to frame everything in terms of who you're talking to, where in a journey that they're on, the outcomes that you're trying to generate, how we know people better, how we create more lifetime value. And to the conversation we've just been having, that also makes it easier to introduce questions of ethics, questions of brand, purpose or personality, questions of organisational desire into those, so that technology questions don't just become technology questions that exist in isolation, they become part of a power business makes decisions about how it shows up and how it, it develops experiences for its consumers. So translating everything into human, uh, I think is a very powerful discipline, particularly for those of us from a technology background, as we try to bring more people on board with our vision. Love that, translate into human. Mark, what's your, what's your golden piece of advice? So, um, you know, Alex's, you know, this translate everything to human thing is, is, is really important. And he talked about journeys as well. And I think, you know, thinking in terms of journeys, both on your own estate and off your state estate is absolutely critical. And I think that um, the way that you can, you know, enable the presentation of those journeys is to really kind of like step back and think about your technology stack in a different way and how you can put greater flexibility into it. So what I'd say to marketeers is, you know, you're probably at the moment working in silos that um, don't allow journeys to become cohesive and, and sit together. And what you're doing is, uh, even if you have quite good insight on the customer, you're still probably presenting quite a fragmented experience in response to that. So I would say, Certainly think about the quality of your data and the power of your data and what it can enable. But I would also recommend that, uh, you know, you think really about what you want to achieve for your business and how that impacts on your technology stack. And I think the, the major theme I talk about with clients is it's about breaking down the silos and setting up an architecture that joins everything together through uh, open APIs that then allows conversations to flourish wherever the user is in their journey. Amazing. Thank you guys so much, both for, for sharing that advice, but also for, for all your insights throughout this discussion. Um, it's been brilliant to really get into the nitty gritty of the technology, but then also zoom out a little bit and talk about um, the real impacts that, that can have both for, for the companies and brands, but then for consumers and general people um, uh, on, the, on the outside. So thank you very much for, for joining us on the show. You've been listening to The Experience Makers, a Cognified podcast. If you want to find out more about the report we were talking about in today's episode, it is by Acceleration called Course Correction, written by Grant Keller. You can find the link in the show notes. You can follow us at Cognified on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram or visit us at Cognified.com. Make sure you tune into next month's episode of The Experience Makers, where we'll continue the experience conversation, helping businesses thrive in today's experience economy. 